0: Jason Welcome back to the podcast. I have a free gift for you. Yes, I have a free excerpt from the Alchemy of Chaos, my new course, my new mega course on mastering 2020 on retaking your life from all of this insane chaos that the world is throwing at us. Uh, this course is incredible. We are now well into it. I have to say now I'm unbiased, of course, but but I have to say that this is the best course that Magic has ever done. It is gorgeous. It is in you know high definition with a you know very high end camera with great sound, well produced, properly edited. You know there's a whole team working on these courses now. It's not just me. And wow, it really shows. And of course, in terms of the content, I've put my heart and soul into this. I've put everything that I've got and the response from the students has been overwhelming. I don't think I've seen one dissatisfied comment. So you might be asking yourself, what is the free gift? Well, because I want you to get a sense of what is really in this course, I'm just going to excerpt a big chunk of it and give it to you in this podcast right now for free. Yes, because some of the stuff that is coming out in this course is so important. And I think of such value to the world that I want to open up the door a little bit and put it out there. So the section that I'm going to give you is kind of my overarching theory of magic. As somebody who's come at this from every conceivable angle for many decades now, I've been through all the BS, right? I've seen the marketing flim flam and I've seen the, you know, the the silly statements that people make about this stuff. And I've really dedicated my life to cutting through that and getting down to the core of what this stuff really is, which I think to take a, you know, a page out of Timothy Leary and Robert Anton Wilson is really about how to operate your neurology correctly, how to operate your brain and how to operate your nervous system to flourish in life, you know, to really enjoy life and live a successful and happy and productive life. I mean, what else could we truly ask for? And the keys to this are in the world's esoteric and spiritual teachings. And unfortunately, they're buried under mountains of BS and symbol systems. But when you get down to the core, it really is very simple and so simple that it's kind of like an aha. It's like, oh, of course that's what this is. Well, I couldn't just keep this you know, within the bounds of the course. Oh, I wanted to share this with you. And that's what this excerpt is all about. And it's excerpted in such a way that you can immediately take this insight and put it into practice in your life and get much better results, have a much better understanding of the esoteric world, and more importantly than that, to have a truly useful and fruitful and productive tool in your toolkit that will allow you to enjoy life even in a crazy time like this. And it is crazy. I'm right there with you. 2020 is the most bizarre, (laughs) stressful, um, constantly unpredictable year of my life. Uh, And I am guessing that that's probably the case for you too it's a roller coaster. It is uh, nerve wracking at times. And, and it's times like these that really test us, that really challenge us to bring forward everything that we've learned up to this point, that test us to bring forward everything that we truly know about living life. Well, everything that we truly know about mastering life, even in a you know, an emergency situation. And I welcome that challenge. I think it's, um, you know, it's good to have these challenges every once in a while because they force you to clear out the dross, to clear out everything that, you know, might sound nice. It might look cool. It might, you know, seem like uh, it's an interesting thing to pursue, but you know what's true and you know what's real when the pressure gets put on. Because the things that you go to under stress that you know, not just intellectually, but that you know in your heart, in your soul, and in the very core of your being are the places that you need to go to for safety and a sense of home and a sense of comfort and that you know you need to survive the stuff that you go to then. And usually it's only under pressure that we make a beeline straight to that stuff. That's what's true. And that's how you know it's true. So there's a lot of hurt in our world right now. I hope that none of this applies to you, but you know, there are a lot of people who are facing severe economic uh, pain. There are a lot of people who might getting might be getting their homes foreclosed. There are people who are losing businesses, there are people who are uh, having even their closest relationships with friends, uh, partners, even close family put under severe stress. Um And even with those breakage points aside, there is just so much day-to-day, night-to-night stress. And, you know, if you've been up at three or four in the morning, staring at the ceiling, trying to get it all straightened out in your mind, you're not alone. And it's in times like these, paradoxically sometimes, when the hurt builds up, when the pain builds up, that we freeze like deer in headlights. And... It just seems to be a reflex that people do where they just sit in place and they don't act when perhaps they need to act for their own security, for their safety, for the well-being of themselves and their future and their family and the people that are dependent upon them. They need to act. But you know we've all been there. Unfortunately, we freeze and we're going to talk about why that is in this excerpt. But of course, it's at times like these that we must act, that we must force ourselves out of our paralysis, out of our indecision, out of all those parts of you that are just maybe yelling at you to crawl under the covers and hide. We must force ourselves out of that and act. And if we don't know how to act, then the action we need to take is to make a strong, solid, and firm commitment now to learning what we need to do, how we need to act in order To not just survive, but to thrive. And not just now, but a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, where we will all surely still be feeling the effects, not just of what's happening right now in the world, but of the decisions we make right now in response. And that's what we have control over. And that's what we must take full control over. And in doing so, we regain a sense of control over our lives. And that's the first step right there. So in the Alchemy of Chaos, you are truly going to get all of the tools that you need to fully master this situation and more. You're going to get all the tools to master your health, your energy, your well-being, your sense of certainty, your ability to face life head on, even in a situation this hectic. You're going to get all the tools to fully supercharge your energy. You're going to get all the tools you need to kick out all the negative influences, all the negative people or the the negative inputs that might be kind of nagging you at the edges and it might not be that noticeable, but it adds up and it saps that energy that you need now more than ever. You're going to get all the tools you need to defend yourself, to establish a zone of safety safety for you and your family that is impenetrable. You're gonna get all the tools you need to master your personal relationships and fill them with love and support and cherishing, rather than allowing them to become the victims of stress, confusion, and fear, as unfortunately so many relationships are right now. And of course, we're going to give you all the tools you need to fully master this new economy, even if all the rules have changed, all the tools you need to invest in these crazy times, all the tools you need to get a hold of your personal finances, to maybe pull back debt and get things fully under wraps and fully under control. We're going to give you all the tools to build businesses, which, by the way, just as a preview, must be online. So many people right now are in a position where their businesses are collapsing because through no fault of their own, they can't do business in public anymore. You know, they can't do that service job. They can't provide that service one-to-one with somebody that involves and needs personal contact. And I'm talking about businesses that people have put their heart and souls into. They're businesses that aren't just, you know, a way to make money, but are extensions of their very being, right? And it it, unfortunately, tragically, a lot of these businesses are collapsing right now. It's not your fault. What we're going to do in this course is we're going to show you how to build online businesses, how to take all those talents and skills and insights and experiences that you've had and transition them into the new economy so that they can't be shut down, so that they can't be just declared inessential, We're going to show you how to build businesses and income stream ideas that are sturdy, that will survive 10, 20, 30 years into the future that are COVID-proof. And because this is magic.me, we're going to give you a whole stack of tools, meditations, deep guided spiritual processes needed to fully supercharge not only your, your spirit, your soul, your magical ability, your ability to manifest the future that you know you need to for you and your loved ones, but the tools you need for the most important thing of all, which is regaining faith, getting a sense of reconnection to the transcendent, whether you call it God or the universe or the infinite, whatever you call it right now, faith is something that we need to approach as a verb, right? It is something you do. It is something you must supercharge. It is something you must hone almost as a martial art, right? Because faith is not only what will get us through this, but faith truly can move mountains when you actively pursue it, not as an expectation, but as something that you cultivate, hone, and develop on a day-to-day, on a minute-to-minute, even on a second-to-second basis. Now, you might be saying every penny counts right now and I can only truly invest in the things that I know will make a serious dent, that will move the needle, that will truly turn this around and get me back into blue skies and smooth sailing. Absolutely. I take this as a sacred trust and I put everything I have, I put 10, 20 times the value into these courses that I would ever ask. And of course, I make a guarantee During the first three units of this course, if for any reason you decide that this is not going to supercharge your life and totally, totally, absolutely put you in control the next five years of your life, make them more successful than ever before, then you can email support and ask for a money back guarantee and we will give you 100% of your money back. No risk. I truly want to do my best to make this available. We also offer payment plans. And of course, in addition to that, I'm giving you this little chunk, this preview for free. So of course you might also be saying, well, you know, Jason, this sounds amazing. I would love to take this course, but man, things are hectic right now. I've got so many responsibilities right now, so many commitments, everything is confusing. Uh, I have so many demands placed on me all the time and there's not enough time in the day. I am running around like a chicken with my head cut off, trying to like figure all of this out, trying to patch leaks in in this boat, you know, like trying to make sure everything works out. Absolutely. I totally get it. And I want to remind you that it's at times like these when you're most frantic, when everything is most panicky. Those are the times that you really want to step back and think so that you make sure that you take the correct actions rather than just get caught up in the cycle of reactivity. And we're gonna talk about that a lot in this free excerpt. But of course, I have constructed this course in such a way that it is not time sensitive. You can take this course in as fast of a time as you want or as slow of a time as you want. You can piece it out, parcel it out, just take a little bit at a time. The course is pre-recorded. It is being released every few days as we speak, and we still have a ways to go. Of course, you haven't missed out. You're not behind. The course is not time-sensitive. So you have all the time in the world to take the class. You can take a little bit on a lunch break, on a bathroom break, you can take it, or you can take large amounts of it on the weekend. And as long as you complete your homework assignments after each section, Go ahead and take as long as you want. I made it that way on purpose because this is the 21st century, right? Time is not something that people have anymore, right? People's lives are filled up with a gajillion commitments and I totally get that and that's why I want to make my courses well-constructed for this always online, always on the phone world that we live in. So you're good. Totally flexible time commitment and zero risk. Perfectly tailored. Perfectly tailored to suit your life and your needs. Now, signing up is easy. All you have to do is go to magic.me, M-A-G-I-C-K dot M-E, and it's the first course right there on the page. It's called The Alchemy of Chaos, and you can find out lots more about it right there. You can see the trailer, and of course, stick around in this podcast, and you can hear an excerpt. I'm really looking forward to seeing you in class. I can't wait for you to experience this totally new evolution in magic.me mega courses. And most of all, I can't wait to get your emails of your success stories, which I love getting from students more than anything. When students email me and say, I completely turned around my finances, I completely turned around my business, I have time for my kids now, even I have time for my grandkids. I have the resources and the time and the skills to truly pursue my dreams with the added sense, that spiritual certainty, that I am connected fully with my true will. I can't wait to get those emails from you. All right. And as one final note before we get onto the excerpt, I wanted to give a huge thank you to my students from the ADAPT Initiative who all contributed to a very substantial donation to the Polaris Foundation, which is a top-rated highly highly vetted charity, which works to stop human trafficking networks all over the world. So their contributions along with mine just went out. I just sent them off to Polaris and uh, those are contributions that are going to help stop the scourge of modern slavery, which is unfortunately something that lurks just under the surface, not just in the developing world, but all over the world human trafficking networks stretch all over the planet and may be operating next door to you without you knowing it Um, unfortunately um, people of all genders races and ages are trafficked into human slavery it's not always sexual slavery sometimes it's actual labor slavery and and many other reasons and this is something that simply just doesn't get a lot of attention but it is of course a stain on the conscience of i think humanity as a whole. And so for that reason, I really, really sincerely want to thank all of my students who helped make this contribution possible. It might be in the grand scheme of things, maybe it's, you know, it's not, we can't end this problem overnight, unfortunately, but it is the proverbial candle, single candle that is lit instead of cursing the darkness. And so I really, really, really humbly thank everyone who made that possible. All right. So without any further ado, please enjoy this excerpt and I will see you in class. All right. Hang in there. So let's talk about your nervous system. We're going to start from the scientific angle first, right, before we get into the more wild and woolly sides of, uh, of consciousness. Let's talk about your nervous system. So your nervous system is referred to in, in general as your autonomous nervous system. And it has two major branches, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous systems. So your sympathetic nervous system controls your fight or flight response. It's the thing that kicks in and activates when you're in trouble. We developed it over hundreds of thousands of years to deal with things like saber toothed tigers showing up at the edge of the cave or somebody trying to running towards you with a pointed stick or some crisis, right? It kicks in during crisis. When your sympathetic nervous system kicks in, it tells you, first of all, it releases a tremendous burst of adrenaline and uh, you probably know this very well. Adrenaline is the thing that makes you stronger. It makes you ready to fight or run very fast. You know, adrenaline is this thing, the thing that is responsible, for instance, if you hear these stories of uh, women ripping, uh, lifting up cars or ripping the fenders off cars to rescue a trapped child, that's adrenaline. It's, it's released by your adrenals under stress. Uh, your sympathetic nervous system activates to do this, and it releases all these hormones into your body when you're confronted with a crisis. One of them is cortisol, the stress hormone, which builds up in your body. Um, and it's really phenomenal it does all these things. In, in addition to making you stronger, uh, your capillaries constrict under stress so that if you get wounded in a fight, uh, you bleed less. It's in, your body is intelligent beyond uh, any of our ability to fully comprehend. You know, they're learning more and more about it all the time. Uh, Friedrich Nietzsche very famously once said that there is more wisdom in your body than in, you know, the largest library of books. And it's really true if you learn how to check in. It's phenomenal, and it happens without your thinking. It doesn't require any conscious input at all. It just happens. That's how intelligent your body is. So let's talk about a fight-or-flight situation. Let's say you're walking down the street, and somebody comes towards you on the street and pulls out a weapon and looks towards you extremely menacing and starts shouting at you. Okay, well, your stress system is going to go through the roof, Right. You're going to be like, holy shit, is this really happening to me? Uh, and then basically your sympathetic nervous system will kick in and you will immediately make a decision depending on how strong you feel you are and how strong the attacker appears to be. Do I run away as fast as possible or do I instead go towards the threat to uh, neutralize it? Right. So that's when all those stress hormones kick in. And this is, again, something that has developed over hundreds of thousands of years. You're not meant to be in that system all the time, right? So here's the tricky bit. We don't live in caves anymore. We don't live on savanna. We live in 21st century, hyper-mediated, social-mediated uh, earth, right? We live. We live in a very different world now. Most of us, most of the time, outside of, for instance, a situation like I just described, outside of things going very wrong, people don't usually face immediate physical danger, at least not on a regular basis. You know, knock on wood, right? Usually, we're but but, while we might not face things like that, we face abstract threats all day long, right? Am I going to make enough money? Am I going to be able to keep my job? So what are things that might trigger the sympathetic nervous system now? It could be maybe uh, a manager hovering over your shoulder at work, right? Or for all of us, the thing in your pocket, you know, the phone is constantly triggering your sympathetic nervous system. You're constantly getting updates, news. Every time you look at the news, it's, oh God, what now, right? I'm sure we've all asked this question. And, you know, as somebody who's worked in the media profession extensively for much of my life, I, I can tell you there's a real science to this. I mean, all these media outlets have figured out how to trigger the sympathetic nervous system to make everything seem like it's life or death, fight or flight, so that you go oh, and immediately pay attention to it. And then hopefully share it with all your friends because your all your evolutionary uh, training kicks in and tells you to let everyone else in your local tribe know that something is deadly wrong. Something is fight or flight. You know, this horrible thing happened. So there's a real problem with that, which is that if this is constantly getting triggered, it is exhausting, right? Now, most of those things... For instance, let's just start with the news. Most of those news updates are not fighter; They are not life or death. They're just made to seem like it. Cable news, by the way, even worse, right? You know, you've got uh, sounds going off, lights, all these flashing things, everything designed to make you afraid so that you pay attention and then buy whatever product they sell you. It's exhausting. It's physically exhausting. It exhausts the adrenal system. Eventually you end up in a system where your adrenals are drained. You end up in a system in a a situation where your body is so flooded with cortisol The stress hormone that you just kind of shut down You're lethargic. You're sleepy all the time. You say things like I'm so stressed. I can't do anything You can't focus your energy is gone, right? And this is the chronic stress syndrome of modern life, you know, and it's totally unnecessary because Usually, there's no saber-toothed tiger. It's just a mental game, um, and and it's an effect of living in a world in which we're all hyper-connected. And anytime anything goes wrong in the world, in the slightest, you get to find out about it right then, all day, 24-7. So, it is very tiresome. So, this is life in the 21st century. Crisis, 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 non-stop, right? Right? Which means that by the time we actually have a personal crisis, you got no juice left. Your tank's empty because it's been drained by, you know, the matrix, right? This is a real problem. It's the chronic stress of modern life. And you can see all around you probably it's a problem to the point that civilization itself is kind of breaking down, right? It's, I mean... Cortisol, stress hormones, literally will start to break down your body over time. It seems to be the same on a macro scale with civilization, and it's totally unnecessary. The good news is it's totally controllable by controlling your mindset. Okay, so that's the sympathetic nervous system. Extremely useful, needed to keep you alive, and unfortunately, overtaxed and manipulated constantly by modern life. Okay, so... The parasympathetic nervous system, that's the other side of the coin. The parasympathetic nervous system is what kicks in when everything's fine, when there's no saber-toothed tiger. The parasympathetic nervous system is what kicks in when you go to the back of the cave and you're like, you know what? I'm just going to kick back and the parasympathetic nervous system tells you to eat which, by the way, I'm sure you've noticed when you're under fight or flight, you're not hungry at all. Adrenaline cuts out your hunger response at all completely. When the parasympathetic kicks in, um, it tells you to eat, to to digest, and also your body begins to regenerate, and also sleep is controlled by the parasympathetic parasympathetic nervous system. All these regenerative processes, deeply regenerative processes, which are meant to re to flush out cortisol and regenerate the body that may have been overtaxed to the extreme under stress, all that kicks in. And when all that's good, all the mechanisms that say, if if all the mechanisms say, hey, you know what? We're doing well. There's enough food in the environment. Life's pretty good. The next thing that happens is your nervous system tells you, hey, guess what? You're a safe and well-nurtured organism. That probably means there's extra resources in the environment. Let's make more people, right? And then off you go. That's the parasympathetic nervous system. And obviously, that's the nice one. That's where you kind of want to be all the time. It's the relaxing side of life. So one of the real benefits of having been through every consciousness change system in the the known universe and then some over the last several decades is that you start to see the similarities. You see the differences and you see the similarities. You also get to find out what works and what doesn't. And that means on a real deep physical level, right? What works physically and what doesn't. And you know, anyone who's gone through a real serious discipline of learning something for their whole life begins to be able to articulate a simpler way of describing things. And that's what I'm, what I'm hoping that I'm at kind of in... In, uh, my process with things, I really do think that I have a much clearer view of these things now. You probably have things in your life that you're an expert in that you could do the same with. But as somebody who has dedicated their life to consciousness change, I do think that when we look at all these spiritual techniques, um, meditation, mindfulness, esoteric practice, um, and, you know, people's experiments with substances, which I don't recommend, but people do do that in these realms, Uh, biofeedback, neurofeedback, sensory deprivation tanks, all this stuff, I think we can really simplify it down to these are techniques for getting you out of your sympathetic and into your parasympathetic nervous system, right? Because when you're, what is meditation, right? It's when you sit and relax and you let all the stress fade and all those danger signals that are probably rattling around in your brain like a pinball machine, you let those fade, then your body goes into parasympathetic. And meditation can do that much faster than just your kind of normal processes. You're sitting and pushing your body into parasympathetic. And therefore, you have less stress, you're healthier, you live longer, you look better, you sleep better, you can focus better. All these things that are associated with the natural processes of the biological organism when it is in the parasympathetic nervous system, right? So essentially, all these techniques are, to some extent, for triggering triggering your nervous system out of fight or flight into parasympathetic rest, regeneration, rejuvenation. Where, by the way, you're way smarter, okay? Because when you're in your sympathetic, you everything is black and white, fight or flight. You know, and if you've been in survival situations for long periods of your life, as I have, you know there you can't think about anything except fight or flight and that might go on for months and it's exhausting right you might have experienced that recently uh and then you may have experienced the you know the adjacent feeling of feeling exhausted all the time right because you are your adrenals are drained the way out of that is to get into the parasympathetic nervous system where you're healthier smarter and happier right and feeling really good you know like that's kind of the point so for this reason and many more, all of these techniques that people often associate as you know, ancient techniques, techniques belonging to, for instance, yoga, whether that means stretching yoga or physical yoga, breathing techniques, or more Buddhist-style meditation of self-awareness, which we're going to talk about in this unit, things that people associate traditionally maybe as religious techniques, they're really not. They're physiological triggers. And for this reason, they could not be any more important in the current moment because they're diametrically opposed to the nonstop stimulus overload of of the electronic world, right? The world we all live in, which is doing one thing all the time, panic, 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 fight or flight. It's keeping you in your sympathetic nervous system. By the way, one of the reasons they do that is so that you make snap rash decisions to, for instance, buy products. If you haven't already noticed this, next time you watch the news, notice what they're doing. Every news story, panic, fear, chaos, mayhem, everything going wrong. Oh, and then commercial break here, take this pill here, go on this vacation. So they're proposing they're they're amping you up and then into a panic state. And then they're proposing the relief. But of course, you have to pay for it. Right. So and this goes on nonstop forever. That's model of the news media. And I know because I've been a journalist, right? So um, this is real bad for people. Very exhausting. So for this reason, this is why these techniques are so critical, right? If you want to be a healthy, happy individual, you need to get into your parasympathetic, joy, bliss, ecstatic mode as much as possible. You should be ecstatic and Physically high, I don't mean drug high, but like in an ecstatic, happy state as much as possible, right? Because you'll be smarter, (laughs) you'll be healthier. That's where intelligence comes from. It doesn't come from being so serious and locked down and that's all cortisol response from sympathetic, right? You know, if you are an athlete or anyone in any profession, particularly high stress professions, they know all about this. That's why they know they have to get into flow states rather than being rigid and locked down. When you're rigid and locked down, you're in fight or flight, you're going to make bad decisions, particularly in a crisis, right? So the key to spiritual, you know, in fact, we don't even need to use the word spiritual. Let's just say human intelligence, right? The real key to intelligently living your life, human intelligence, is to have control of your when you are in sympathetic and when you are in parasympathetic. It's not as simple as saying never be in sympathetic because when you need it, you need it. If you're in that situation where somebody comes at you on the street, you better believe you better be in your sympathetic nervous system, right? But at the same time, you need to be able to have a bit of control. You need to be able to step back. Obviously, you need to be able to shut off sympathetic and go into parasympathetic when you're just relaxing, and there is no threat. And instead of looking at your phone... At the news every five seconds, right? You need to be in parasympathetic when it makes sense. You've probably heard the phrase, obviously, of somebody being cool under pressure. What does that really mean? It means they're, they have enough uh, adept-level control of their nervous system that they're able to at least be a bit in parasympathetic under crisis. Somebody who has a cool head in a crisis, somebody who is level-headed in crisis That's what we're really talking about here. It's a physiological phenomenon. It's somebody who's able to step out of the lockdown of fight or flight and get into parasympathetic, even in the middle of a crisis, when it's appropriate. By the way, in any crisis situation whatsoever, for instance, knock on wood, not that anyone would experience these things, but a fire, a mass shooter event, anything like this, The person who is calmest will always dominate the entire situation. Everyone will gravitate. That person is automatically the leader, right? Because we understand at a very deep level that that person is going to make the most intelligent decisions because they're not in fight or flight. If you look back, by the way, in your life at some of, if you can think of some of the worst decisions you've made, hopefully there are many of them, hopefully uh, I'm probably less than me, right? (laughs) But if you can look back over your life at some of, poor decisions you might have made and you really think about it how many of those decisions were made in a non-optimal state of consciousness which means panic or in some cases being inebriated right so if if a lot of alcohol was involved which is often the case um, my bet is that you were in a panic situation you were in fight or flight and when you only have two options to handle any problem it's you know it's literally a no-brainer. You don't have a brain. You can just go towards or away. Okay. So this is the physiological aspect of things. Let's talk now about the more esoteric side of things. So when I talk about esoteric, I'm talking about, um, you know, techniques that are drawn from things like, again, like yoga, like Buddhism, mindfulness, meditation, spirituality, Shamanism, things that might not be quantifiable, right? But are very important for one's subjective experience of reality. And by the way, I'm not one of these people that sets up science and magic in opposition, right? Again, if it works, it works, right? And I would never uh, have one challenge the other. I, I love the phrase non competing magisteria, if you will, right? So if it works, it works. And the thing is the thing about meditation, which we'll be talking a lot about in this course, is that. We know for a fact scientifically it works. It actually alters the structure of your brain. Um, they've done CAT scans on longtime Buddhist monks, and they know that there are serious physiological responses all the way down to even restructuring the brain over the time over time. Right? So we're in hard scientific territory here. So obviously, your physical nervous system pretty straightforward you have your brain your spinal cord your nervous system all of this stuff it, it spreads throughout your entire body the nerves branch out from the spinal cord etc cetera, etc cetera. We, we you got your eyeballs all of that right so the esoteric nervous system is what you see if you look at for instance Chinese acupuncture diagrams it's what it is it's what is worked on with obviously acupuncture or energy medicine or Reiki or take your pick of any of these energetic body disciplines. If you live in California like I do, there's you, you really have your pick of them. You know, there's a lot of this stuff is associated with kind of new age territory. But really, when we look at this, this stuff is like 10,000 years old. It goes back to the Vedic tradition in India, which is where I, I always go back to India because they invented this stuff up in the Himalayas, you know, and then it it transmitted to other cultures via the Silk Road. So the Hindu yoga tradition really is the root of a lot of this uh, theory and material, Um, particularly there was a lot of work done on it, advancing it in the the 14th century. Um, From there, it went to China. And so, you know, yoga is the precursor tradition of of uh, certainly Indian Buddhism, but then also Chinese energy medicine and and Tibetan medicine and things like that. So you can get a visual depiction of your esoteric system, your your energy body, by, uh, you know, obviously acupuncture diagrams. A really good one, though, is Alex Gray paintings. So you're probably familiar with the painter Alex Gray. If not, take a moment, Google image search Alex Gray. Uh, paintings. And you'll get all these pictures of kind of lit up uh, nervous systems um, perceived in altered states of consciousness. That's really what we're talking about. So the Hindu model of the esoteric nervous system is as such. You get all the energy running through the central column, which uh, is the spinal cord. And uh and then branching off into about 81,000 subtle channels or subtle nerves called nadis, N-A-D-I-S. And these are not your actual nerves, but the esoteric energetic component of them. So the energy, the subtle energy uh, generated perhaps by your nervous system in this model of the body. So again, for if you go back to, to, to the Vedic yoga tradition... You can get the core theory here uh, but you see the same information shared all throughout uh, for instance china tibet and also in judaism in the kabbalah it's all there as well in the tree of life so fine so you have the central channel you have the subtle nerves and then in the uh, in the central channel you have these seven chakras right which are within the within that within that channel and you've probably seen these um in, in yoga classes, yoga diagrams, things like this. But essentially what these are considered to be is seven nodes within that, within that nervous system that correspond to different functions and aspects of a person's psychology. The chakra system is the original energetic system. Um, other cultures took it and made their own models of it. So for instance, in Tibet, you have similar system, but it, you get four chakras In Judaism and the Kabbalah, you get 10, uh, where some are separated out into two um, binary poles instead of being unified in one chakra. But uh, essentially, the chakra model itself, the original one, is the simplest one, the most straightforward one to work with. The chakras, of course, correspond with the seven classical planets. So there you have it. You have the central channel, the seven chakras, which are like the nervous system nodes within it and then the nadis that come off of it. Finally, you have prana and apana, which are you know the intake of life force and the expulsion of, of dead uh, uh, matter, which could correspond in one sense with the taking in of food and excreting of waste, also the breathing in of oxygen and exhaling of carbon dioxide. So essentially, in a lot of these diagrams, you have a sense of, uh, of intake and out-breath. Out within this system. So the system is taking in fresh energy from the environment, from the air, uh, from nature, and then expelling uh, dead waste matter. So is this scientifically valid? No, right? But the answer is, what this is, is a shorthand for describing a set of phenomenon, right? So if you just take a moment and check in with your body, you probably have a sense of what your energy is like right And uh, you know you immediately get a sense of I'm tired, I'm I'm refreshed, I feel good, I feel depressed, I feel joyous I feel whatever it is that you feel you immediately get a tangible physical sense of your energy if you check in. this is your energy body right The final component of the energy body by the way, which we've all heard of is the aura, which would be like an egg-shaped, uh, field about you with various gradations, which is the projection of subtle energy from your body. Um, now when we're talking about esoteric language, we're really, it is very easy to go off into flights of fancy, right? To think that this stuff is big special effects budget, Dr. Strange, Harry Potter stuff. And if you just get into the right, you know, altered state of consciousness or you awaken your third eye or some such mumbo jumbo that you'll be able to actually perceive this stuff. Now, you can certainly perceive this stuff literally under altered states of consciousness, but you you are also constantly intuitively perceiving it, not with your physical senses, but with your intuitive senses all day, every day long. So, for an example... You look at these books about the aura and you see, oh, you get the sense of like, oh, like if I just developed my psychic ability, I would be able to see people and see some colored field coming off them that tells me their their state. Now, some people can do this, but for most of us, it's not so big budget, right? And um, the, as an example, you meet people all the time and you immediately get a sense off them, a vibe, right? The second you meet somebody, you form a a preconceived judgment of them, right? Let's be honest. Now, you're perceiving all these different things off of them. You know, there's like almost infinite information you get off a person when you first meet them, right? The uh, how flush their skin is, their capillary dilation, uh, the dilation of their eyes, if they're uh, dehydrated or not, uh, how their breathing is, how deep or shallow their breathing is, their posture, Their clothing, uh, when the last time they got a haircut is, their general state of of grooming, whether they're wearing a watch or not, what type of clothing they're wearing. And then if you're in a culture that is super specific about uh, social signals, like, for instance, the English, right, then you can tell immediately just by the certain little way people wear their accessories and things like that exactly where they fit in the class strata of society, right? Just try being English. Uh, That's how it works there. Right? So we get all this information immediately from somebody and it's not like it's not like that anywhere in the world by the way we're just not so overt about it. Um, when you see somebody, you sense all of this stuff, you perceive it as a gestalt you perceive it as a whole automatically and you represent it to yourself as a kind of shorthand as a verbal or a nonverbal feeling you have about somebody. So you may say to yourself this person is X,YZ or you may just have a uh, but if you get past that, you have an intuitive sense of, of whether they attract you or not uh, what your sense of them is sometimes that can be wrong but usually it isn't right or sometimes rather not wrong but not the whole picture right and then as you get to know that person more a broader picture develops that's the aura right that vibe you get off somebody that's that's the aura right we're talking when we talk about esoteric language Uh, hermetic language, we're talking about things we're perceiving all the time anyway. And when you understand that, that really is a key that opens up this whole field of study. You understand that what we're looking at here is a metaphorical and a really non-mystical language for describing subtle levels of the subjective human experience right? The esoteric language is this huge vocabulary for describing non-tangible things that you are already experiencing. Very key. So in the same way, if you just take a a little moment to check in with yourself and feel your body, like I said, you'll be able to immediately get a sense of your energy. Now, how many physical processes are currently running in your body, right? You've got your blood flow, blood pressure, um, your state of uh, how oxygenated your blood is, Uh, How much cortisol is in your body and your brain? You've got your levels of dopamine, serotonin, melatonin, all this stuff. How much light you've taken in. All these subtle little things, right? All the, the infinitely complex processes of your body. All that's working all at once. But, you know, who's to say what's where? It's very difficult for you to say, for instance, oh, my melatonin level is at exactly this blood serum concentration, Right good luck with that. And if you can do that, uh, well, well done, right? You, you're probably a very well-paid physician. Um, but for most of us, we just get a sense of where we're at, which is usually intuitively correct. We either feel good or we feel bad or somewhere in between, right? But that's a representation in our own consciousness of this vastly complex process, In the same way, we walk through this life, which is this incomprehensibly complex universe, and we somehow get through it by making fairly simplistic representations to our own minds of what's going on. The same with the body. You know, there's more wisdom in your body than in a vast library of books, uh, if you just learn how to listen. Uh, And he's completely right. You know, it's all there for you to pick up on, but most of us, particularly in this culture, tune it out. Um... But if you're a practitioner of something like yoga, then you've learned disciplines to tune back in and it's so critical. So this is really the first unit of theory, but in a lot of ways, before even giving you any exercises, tools, information, resources, all of which I'm going to load you down where you're going to be like, there's some serious goodie bags in this course, like stacks and stacks and stacks of treasure upon treasure chests before I give you any of all any of that though I'm going to give you this core theory which is going to seem fairly simple um, but with all disciplines the most simple expression of it the first expression is always the most important right if it's a real discipline so and it is that way with this one in the sense that this core theory that I'm giving you is going to carry us through the entire course right? So, as I said in the beginning, you've got two nervous systems sympathetic, parasympathetic, fight or flight or not. And then we have the esoteric component. Okay. And all the esoteric component is, by the way, is your representation to yourself on a shorthand basis of all the subtle processes going on in your body. But you can work with it, for instance, the chakras, and get serious, tangible results. Uh, It's not, you know, it is very effective. Uh, And it's your, it's a language for tuning in and working with your own internal psychocosm. So your representations to yourself of how you want your life to change, how you want your nervous system to change, of course, of course, will filter down to the physical body. Because if you know anything about esoterics, you understand that working with the subtle level is the subtle level, anything done on the subtle level, then reflects down into the physical, right? Uh, I'm not saying don't pay attention to the physical body, far from it, right? But I am saying there is absolutely a psychological, energetic aspect to the the physical body that we can work on to do all kinds of things and make all kinds of changes. Here's the core thing, right? We want, in this course, to get out of the sympathetic and into the parasympathetic nervous system as much as possible. And to do that, we're going to use all kinds of techniques, primarily meditation and primarily some esoteric stuff, but also a lot of very, very practical real-world material. And we're going to do that in every aspect of your life. When you can get out of that fight or flight, you're out of the crisis. When you can get into a meta perspective where everything's fine then you can operate on your own psychocosm, on your own life, on your own soul, if you will. And the changes in your life are almost instant and profound, right? But as long as you're in that fight or flight, forget it, right? It's just, you're, it's like, um, have you ever tripped over something? And then uh, suddenly you trip over three more things, right? It's a cascade effect because you go into the stress response and then you all this all this higher function shuts down and just every, it's one disaster after the next in the same way when we go through very challenging periods of our life it can we're just in that sympathetic mode and it's just one thing after the next it's not because you have bad karma or God's out to get you or whatever it's because you're in the nervous system not particularly intelligent part of your nervous system or rather it's not that it's not intelligent it's just that it's only intelligent at doing one thing which is saving your ass when everything goes wrong Right, but not in a strategic way. In a oh my god, I need to kill that or get away from it way, right? And neither of those responses are very useful in the twenty first century very often, except when they are. Okay, so here's the key. Right, the key comes from Buddhism. It really does. Buddha figured this out twenty five hundred years ago. The key is this. The key to getting out of your sympathetic nervous system is to release attraction and repulsion to all phenomenon, right? It means that you're not grasping for phenomenon and you're not trying to get away from them, right? You're not, and and this is where this whole idea of overcoming desire comes from. Your nervous system, really, if you really are honest with yourself, even in the parasympathetic, even in your most intelligent moments, all your mind, all your nervous system is doing is saying, I want that. I don't want that. Or this is me. That's not me. Right. I identify with this. I don't identify with this. I like this. I don't like this. I want this person. I don't want this person. Right. It's it's like a binary. It's one or the other. And this is what generates the internal dialogue. It's what generates your whole perception of existence. It's what generates all of this stuff. It's just this Constant, never-ending process of yes or no. I want, I don't want. This is me. That's not me. Attraction, repulsion, right? And uh, pushed to its utmost, now we get into the sympathetic nervous system where it's fight or flight, right? So we're always in a low-grade crisis because we're always making these snap decisions about whether to go closer to something or further away from it. Under extreme stress, it becomes fight or flight. But that's the what Buddhists call maya, right? This is what generates maya. It's this constant uh, uh, identification or non-identification with phenomenon at the physical level. It begins with the body and ends with the body, essentially. So the key to all of this, the key to higher intelligence, higher consciousness, all the good things in life is to get out of attachment and repulsion, clinging and aversion and ultimately fight or flight the more you know how to do that which we're going to teach you how to do the more you get out of that fight or flight monkey mind and the more you get into a much more intelligent blissful relaxed uh, state of mind frame of being from which you can make truly intelligent decisions about your life All right, that was an excerpt from Alchemy of Chaos. You can get the whole thing at magic.me, M-A-G-I-C-K dot It is the first course on the page, Alchemy of Chaos, and I will see you in class. All right, till then, hang in there, stay strong, and I will see you very soon.